Father God, we thank You so much. And as we just sang, what a beautiful name is the name of Jesus. Jesus. Paul writes that every at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And God, we confess that Jesus is Lord tonight. We confess that He's Lord in our lives. We confess He's Lord of our church. And we also confess that we need You tonight. As Diane said, there are unspoken requests in her life. God, if every one of us was open, we would all say there are things that we're walking through, going through in this journey called life that we need a special hand, a special touch from You. And we pray, Father, that You would meet those needs tonight. That we would be able to see You, know You, understand what You're wanting to do in our lives. And then, Father, for our church and for our Youth Pastor Search Committee, God, we, we came to a point now we're at a point of, of discouragement, maybe a disappointment at least. But we know that You're sovereign. We know that You, you know where we are. And so, Father, we pray that You would enthuse us. That You would help us to see You in this. Help us to learn from this. Help us to trust You. And Father, we pray for our church as, as one Sunday we have a lot of people here and the next Sunday not so many and, and we're on that, that roller coaster and we're, we're like, God, we're, we're, we're just waiting. And yet we know that You're, you're you have something for us. And so, Father, we pray. We pray that we would be faithful. And thank You so much, God, that the people that are here right this minute, their faithfulness, their dedication, their faithfulness to You, their dedication to the church, their willingness to serve, their The fact that they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. The fact that they are the ones that can be called on at any time and they're usually saying yes. Thank You, Father, for each person that's here. And we pray, Father, that You would bless our time tonight. Help us to grow as we understand You as God our Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, we're going to be, as we go through Scripture, 
I'm just going to read a scripture tonight, and then we're going to go through our the Baptist faith and message. We're still in Article Two. If you have that with you, um, I have. We'll have it printed in just a moment. But I'm just going to read this one verse that uses the phrase, God the Father. First, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, 3 and 4 says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in, in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now Article 2, talking about God. We are looking at God as Father. In, in, in this part of the article it says, God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, He is fatherly in His attitude toward all men. Now that's, that's, a, that's a huge statement. And we're going to break it down. So, so first of all, God as Father. We've, we've, Southern Baptists believe God as Father reigns with providential care. Now, Jesus introduced God as Father in the Lord in the model prayer. That's the first time God is called Father. Well, might not be the first time that God is called Father, but whenever He is told, whenever the disciples ask Him, teach us to pray, He said, pray in this manner. Our Father. Now whenever the Jews prayed, they prayed to God of the host, the heavenly host, or they prayed to the Lord God, the Creator God, Jehovah God. But whenever Jesus taught them to pray, He said, Our Father. For the Jew, God was someone or something up in heaven and Jesus brought Him down to earth. Okay? We as believers, as Christians, as Southern Baptists, we are, we are different than all other religions. Because we believe that God is involved in believers' lives as a 
father is involved in his children's lives. Think about that. God is not just a God that sits on His throne in heaven watching everything take place. God is a Father that is involved with His children. And Jesus taught us that just through His prayer saying, you pray in this manner, our Father. Jesus called him Abba Father. Paul tells us, and we'll look at this verse in a little bit, but Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, that he gives us the spirit of adoption that we can cry out, Abba Father. The word Abba is an Aramaic term that is the most intimate name for Father. Now, some people want to call, pray to Daddy God. I'm not, call, I'm not calling God Daddy. Okay? He is our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. But He is involved in our lives. There is a per, his personal actions ascribed to the Father reveal this relationship in his design of creation, his plan of redemption, and his constant care of man. Now think about well let's just look. I, I didn't put this in my notes, but let's turn to Genesis chapter one for just a moment. Let's look at His creation. And we're, we're just going to look at the creation of animals and then man. Look at verse 24 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And he blessed, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over everything, living thing that moves on the earth. Now, 
God created man. Oh, wait a second. Let's go to verse 29. Verse 29 says, Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the, of the earth. And every plant which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God, and, and God saw the, all he, he has made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and, and there was morning, and the sixth day. Now, in the second chapter, God... and in verse 16, look at verse 16 in the second chapter. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Now, reason why I read all that, is that in the creation in the creation story we see that God created man to have a relationship with him in an intimate way he did not create animals to have that same relationship he created man in his image he didn't create the animals in his image he created the animals in the image of the earth According to their likeness. Let the earth bring forth its own kind. That's what it said. You, you heard me read that. But he created man in his own image. Mankind. Male and female. In his own image. Because he wanted a relationship with man or mankind. Because he's a father. And he's involved in life providentially through that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. I'll get back on my notes now, Miss Jamie. You do so good up there. I sure do appreciate you. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says, When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. In other words, God is providentially involved in all things. He subjects all things to Christ so that God can be, all things are subjected to God all in all. And then God is involved in our lives and He, he crafts them accordingly. Now these, these verses aren't printed, but, but first of all, we know that in in Psalm 139 it says that all of our days are written down in his book before any of them came to be. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that, that we were created to do good works which, or we are, we are made to do good works which he created in advance for us to do. So God is, has, has crafted our lives accordingly to his, his, his will. Now that does not mean we do not have a free will. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But God is involved in who we are. God knows who we are, what we are, what we're supposed to be doing. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 45, verse 5. 
I am the Lord, your, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me. He directs us whether we know Him or not. Now you might question that. I question that some. But God's involved in everything. Galatians 1.15 when, But when God who has set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through His grace was pleased. Paul's talking about his calling. Jeremiah says the same thing that he was called. In, in Jeremiah chapter 1. So, so you see, God is crafts our lives accordingly. And then He also rules over the nations and the peoples. Psalm 47 verse 8 says this, God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. Everything that's going on in the world, God's in control. Now folks, there's, there's, listen, listen to me. He's, he's, he's not over evil. and We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But there's not a government that is not placed in, in place. There's not a government anywhere. There's not a government official that God does not place. Go back in history. Go back in time. Go back anywhere you want to go. God has placed every, everybody that's ruling right now and where, when they've ruled, God has done that. Now we think about how horrible all the rulers have been, but, but Paul wrote that whenever Domitian was ruling and he was feeding Christians to the lions. Nero followed him, or maybe I got him backwards, and Nero burned Rome down because he set the garden on fire using Christians as, 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 the, as the torch bearers, or the, as the torturers. And he blamed it on the Christians, and, and he's the one, Nero was crazy, by the way. If you haven't read all the stories about Nero, you might want to go and just look him up. He was crazy. I won't tell you the stories. We have too many young years in here. But the authors of the New Testament wrote those things whenever the Roman leaders were killing them as soon as they saw them. And they said, God put this these rulers where they are for His purpose. Now, I don't like some of the rulers that are in place today. But I'm thankful that God's sovereign. And I want to trust Him for what's going on. Because He's, uh, he's my Father. You with me? You hold no? The next point is that he reigns with a view of his creation's good and the goals of his kingdom. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. God never changes His mind about what He wants to accomplish. God is the same. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. And everything that God does is for His creation's good and His the accomplishment of His kingdom's goals. Right now, everything that's going on is, is leading up to the second coming of Jesus. I believe the rapture of the church first and then the second coming of Jesus, but we're moving rapidly toward that. And everything that's happened And then Matthew writes it this way, so that you, you may be sons of our, your Father who is in heaven, for He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So how do we answer the question, good, good versus evil? How, how do you deal with that? Have you ever been asked, if God is such a loving God, why, do, why does bad things happen? If God is good, why, why is there evil in the world? Have you ever heard someone make the statement, if God is a good God, or if there's so much evil in the world, that, mean, that must mean God doesn't exist or He's not in control. But on the other side, there's good in the world. So if there's good in the world and God is good, then that must mean God is there. But if there's evil in the world and they're trying to disprove God because there's evil in the world, so how do you balance it out? Well, first of all, we have to understand the fact that God did not, sin did not originate with, with God. Remember the passage I just read? He gave Adam a commandment not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. He gave him a choice. He gave him a command. And then, in chapter 3, what happened? The serpent came and he, and he talked to the, the woman and the woman saw that it was good to eat and she took it and she ate and she turned and gave to her husband that was there. See, she didn't take it off the tree and eat it and then take it to her husband that was somewhere else. The husband was standing there listening to the whole conversation. And the husband was supposed to say, hey, no, no, that's not what God told me. Nor is it what I told you. He said, no. That's why Paul said the woman was confused and the man sinned. That's a whole other story. I'm, I'm telling I'm that's what Paul said. That's 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 why... Adam is responsible for the sin coming into the world, not Eve. 
That's why, see, that's why feminists don't like Christians. They'd rather be blamed for the sin than, than allow a man to take credit for anything. I'm telling, I'm, t- I'm, I'm not speaking disrespectfully of them. I'm telling you the truth of what, what Scripture teaches us. And, and folks, sin did not originate with God. Sin originated because someone did not listen to the Word of God and, and obey it. It goes all the way back to the fact that Lucifer decided he wanted to be equal to God. And he got kicked out. Remember this. Satan does not equal the opposite of God. He's a counterfeit of God. He is evil, but he's not an equal opposite of God. He's a counterfeit of God. Take a counterfeit $100 bill and go to a bank and try to deposit it. It's a counterfeit. It's worthless. But if it was an equal opposite, you could take two $50 bills and go and deposit it. You understand what I'm saying? He does not have equal power. He does not have equal attributes. He is not even equally evil to God's good. We give Him all kinds of credit. He can't be everywhere at one time. He is a counterfeit of God. If He was equal to God, God wouldn't have been able to kick Him out of heaven. (laughs) but then we wouldn't have a choice I know they're created beings Satan is a created being just like we are but listen sin did not originate with God I, I went way over sin did not originate with God God is holy and cannot be tempted Psalm 5 4 says this for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. James 1.13 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he, him, he himself does not tempt anyone. But here's, here's, here's where, here's the problem. God gave us a free will to choose so that we would be in a peaceful relationship with Him. The whole purpose of our free will is so that we could have a peaceful relationship with God. He created us in such a way that we could choose to have a loving relationship with Him by our choice and we would be at peace with Him. When, when we're not at peace with God, who's, who's, whose fault is it? Because, because of why? Because our bad choices. We, we already read it, but here, the, here they are again. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall truly or surely die. 
Now, the choosing to the choosing to re- reject God's law l- leads to spiritual death. Excuse me. Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as though one man entered into, just as though one man's sin entered into through. I'm sorry, I can't read. Maybe I need to go back to school. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Adam sinned. And because he sinned, we're all sinners. And we all go back to Adam. Every one of us. Uh, it's one that we deal with all the time when we can't get rid of that one. Right? <laughs> we undo the, that generational curse through salvation. Okay? Now we still deal with our free will, but that curse died on the cross. And we accept the gift of eternal life. And we don't have to pay the penalty of that curse any longer. Jude 6 says this, Angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, He has kept in eternal bonds under the darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as you were talking about those third, the third of the stars, the third of the angels followed Lucifer thinking that they could overthrow heaven and they were created beings and God is an eternal being and they were created for that time and they were kicked out and they're, in, they're bound. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about that in mere Christianity. God created things which had a free will. Now listen, I know you can train your dog to do all kinds of things. I know some people think their dogs smile at them. Okay? Some dogs laugh, some dogs talk, some dogs do all kinds of tricks. God did not create a dog with a spirit. Dog's not created in the image of God. God created man in his his image. So whenever you see the word creature, created thing and creatures, it's talking about people. Not talking about dogs. Or cats or horses or anything else. No offense. There'll be animals in the millennial kingdom. I understand that. I'm not trying to be ugly. Just trying to be truthful. God created things with, which had a free will. That, that means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which has free, uh, which was free, but had no, and there's a typo there, but had no possibility of going wrong. I cannot. If a thing is free to be good, it also. It is also free to be bad. 
And free will is what has made evil possible. Why? Then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, it also is the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. Man, my typing's horrible. Think about it. If we were created by God to be robotically involved in a relationship with Him, how much pleasure would that be to God? And He created us to have a pleasing relationship with Him that we choose to be in right standing with Him. We choose to do right. Because He's our Father. Whenever, whenever we're in right relationship with our fathers on earth, whenever we choose right, you know, whenever, we're, whenever our fathers have to make us, whenever my dad had to make me mind, oh, he wasn't happy to be around me. You know? But whenever we choose to do right, how much more is that relationship enjoyable. And God is our Father and He wants us to choose to live with Him in peace. And He directs us in that way. Let's skip. I'm going to skip a couple of those, uh, those, those slides and we're going to skip down to the Father's children. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in His attitude toward all men. Now we know that He's fatherly in His attitude toward all men. In that we've already read this, but we'll, we'll read it again. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the, on the good. Sins reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is called common grace. Common grace is given to all people. There's evidences of God's grace throughout all the land. Even in heathen nations, they plant a seed, they water it, it grows, they bear fruit. That's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that, that allows them to be able to farm their, their product. Grace of God that they can go out to a cow and milk that cow and get some milk. It's the grace of God that they can build a, a well and, and get water. It's the grace of God that someone can go fishing and catch a fish. It's the grace of God that their daily needs are being met. It's the grace of God we can, we can breathe clean air. It's the grace of God that we are alive. It's the grace of God that, that there's medicine around the earth. And, and, and that His, His grace is common. Paul writes in, first, first, in the first chapter of, of Romans that, that no, one's without, no one is without excuse because nature itself shows us the grace of God. 
That's common grace. But just because God gives us common grace doesn't mean all of us are children of God. It means He has a fatherly attitude toward everybody. You understand that? You with me? There's only one way to become a child of God. This is why people don't like Southern Baptists and true believers. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. John 14, 6, Jesus said, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, today people are trying to tell us that anybody that's sincere in their faith can get to heaven. Whether they're Jews, whether they're Muslims, whether they're Hindus, whether they're anything else, because we're all trying to get to the same place. In our society, in our country, and even in our neck of the woods, they'll, they'll tell you that the people of Jehovah's Witness faith and, and uh, are the Latter-day Saints, they all believe in the same God, so they're, they're, they're sincere. They're, they're good people. They're, they're doing all these good works. They're, they're going to go to heaven. They don't, some of those groups don't cuss. They don't drink. They don't... They don't even drink caffeine. They're, they're surely going to go to heaven. Not according to Scripture. You see, and we believe that, that God is only the Father in truth of those who accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The thing is, if you compare us with Muslims and us with the Jews and I know that they're Messianic Jews or completed Jews as they're called they argue that we all come from Abraham and Abraham is the father of the religion of Jewish religion and the Muslim religion and he's also the father of the Christian religion and we all go back to that but the problem is we have to go, we're we're all we have to all go back to Adam. Go back to Noah, but then we go back to Adam. And Adam introduced sin to the world, and the only answer to sin is Jesus dying on the cross. And if you don't accept that, then you don't you don't know God as Father. Herschel Hobbes said it this way. You know, sometimes I wish we still had the statesmen's like Herschel Hobbes in the Southern Baptist Convention. He was such a, he's such a, a godly man. He said, the universal fatherhood of, of God is a beautiful ideal, but it's not a reality. All men are God's creatures, but as such are not God's children. God is fatherly in His attitude toward all men, but He is Father in truth only to those who become His children through faith in His Son. Last thought. In our today, in our society today, many people don't like the idea of God being Father. 
They're trying to make God gender inclusive. They try to eliminate the, the male gender in God. There was even a translation that came out a few years ago. Uh, today's new international version, the TNIV. Uh, it didn't take off very well, but every time uh, it named God, it said God or God the Father. It said God the Father, Mother, uh, and and uh, because they did not like the idea of God being male, and and is a very liberal thought. And we under, I understand, I mean, we live in a time, I just told you that feminists were mad that Adam was given credit for the sin and Eve was, it was said that Eve was confused because they don't want to be confused. They don't want to be known as the confused gender. No offense, ladies, but that's what the Bible says about you. Okay? In, in that situation. Okay? I'm not saying you're confused all the time. I'm saying that Adam sinned. Alright? Now listen. The Bible says that God created male and female in His image. But look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 66. Verse 13. God has a motherly touch. Look, look at what He says. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted in Jerusalem. God knows how a mother comforts because God created mothers to be mothers. And He created her in His image. But just because He says He's going to comfort us with a motherly touch doesn't mean He's a mom. He's still God the Father. The Bible also says He's going to cover us with His wings. Does that mean He's an eagle or a chicken? Of course not. But that's the description that the psalmist had to, to help someone understand that whenever a, a bird would take his wings or her wings and spread it out and bring her, her chicks into her, in a storm and bring them in and bring them as close as she could up to the body and, and have that wing right here and bring those wings. Those. And then you have that description and you could see that picture of that bird stretching her wings out as far as she can, brings those birds in, those little chicks in, as, and it brings them in and closes them in. And you could just see the picture and God just got himself as close to his body as he can protecting us i mean it's beautiful imagery but that doesn't mean god's a bird and this verse doesn't mean that god's a comfort it says as one he has a, but we are to refer to him as father because he is our heavenly father i've already made references to these verses but the last two Matthew 6 9 again pray then in this way our father who is in heaven and then Romans eight fifteen, for you did have not received a spirit of slavery 
leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Intimate relationship with your Father. God the Father. He is involved. He reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. Oh, He is our Father. What a wonderful relationship we can have with God the Father. Next week we'll see God the Son. All right? I don't know. I, I just, I love doctrine. I love doctrine. I hope I'm not making it boring for you. But maybe we know who, who we worship better. All right? Well, let's close with a word of prayer. And, uh, and we will see y'all uh, Wednesday night. Good Lord willing. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for how you love us. And Father, thank You that You are our Heavenly Father. One that loves us. God, we know that You also discipline us. That You care for us. You, you guide us as a Father does. God, thank You. We love You. Help us to serve You. Help us to be obedient to You. May we, as we leave this place tonight, help us to walk with You in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.